Hi, this is Justin. Today on Theocast, John and I are going to seek to answer a simple question. What is the gospel? If you are out there and you're listening to this episode and you are discouraged, you're confused, you're disheartened, you're afraid that you might not finally make it and that you might be one of those individuals that on the last day, Jesus looks at you and says, depart from me, I never knew you. If you were to think, if somebody asked me, what is the gospel? And you don't know how to answer that question without saying something about yourself, this episode is for you. We hope it encourages your soul. We hope that you're comforted in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is mighty and able to save. He's done everything. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So we're gonna leave it with you. May you be encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're excited to announce we have a brand new podcast available called the Kingsmen Podcast. It's where we are reclaiming biblical manhood by training and equipping men for the work of the kingdom. You can find it anywhere you download a podcast. You can also watch it on YouTube. We have new episodes that come out every Monday. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective. We are here at Theocast aiming to clarify the gospel and reclaim the purpose of the kingdom of Christ. And your hosts today are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Springfield, Tennessee, sitting right here to my left. He can, there it was, <laughs> reached out and touched me. And I'm Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, which is where we sit tonight, John. That's right. We are spending time together. That's right. Here in Western North we Carolina. We have enjoyed the We've outdoors. We've had a full day. Yeah. Even got a walk in. Beautiful day here. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've enjoyed a number of things. Amen. We've talked about a lot. We've talked things in circles at points. And <laughs> now we're ready to record another episode. That's right. That's right. So this one is a basic one. Yeah. And yeah, we could almost call this another gospel episode. We've been accused. No, we haven't. But maybe we even in our own minds are okay to be one trick ponies. Yeah. As long as that trick is Christ and the right division of law and gospel. I want to proclaim nothing so, among you except for... Christ and Him crucified. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll walk on Paul's footprints on yeah, that I one. Yeah, think, I think the apostle was onto something. There. I think he was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, if we were to, uh, anytime Justin and I record a podcast, we do try and speak to a specific audience of people we're thinking about. Yeah. And in this one, I would say someone who has heard the gospel and they can't seem to make up from down as far as, is it, some of my works or some of Christ's works, what is sola fide main, and the experience they have when thinking of the gospel does not bring rest, but anxiety. Yeah. Doesn't bring hope, but seems like it exhausts them. Mm -hmm. And when they think about the future, they don't have joy, they have anxiety. Yeah. A way I might put it is they've heard the gospel, and I'm using those air quotes, in a way that is thoroughly confusing. Yeah. And in a way sounds inherently contradictory because on the one hand, there's a lot of talk about Jesus and what he did. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of talk about me and what I need to do. So which is it? That's right. That's right. right. And that confusion can rob people mm -hmm. of peace and joy and hope, can make people far less effective That's in right. the church. Yep. Things we talk about pretty regularly. That's right. So we're going to have a basic conversation and I trust a sincere and I hope in good ways, lively one yeah. about what the gospel is. Yeah. Try to remove some of that confusion and make it sound rather than 
cluttered and even schizophrenic yeah. make it clear. I think in e- we have three points we wrote down that we were trying to summarize I mean, it in its simplest form. As any good form. sermon would have. That's right. I tried to get three eyes. An intro and a conclusion with three points in the middle, baby. <laughs> That's right. Here we go. When we think about the gospel, you'll notice in each one of these points, we're going to show you the difference between grace and works, law and gospel. Yeah. Because we do get a lot of collapsing of the two. Yeah. And so our, our hope is to show you the clarity of the offense of the gospel yeah. because it does offend prideful human beings. And then for the weak, it brings a balm of hope. Yeah. And I might like to expound upon what you said, the contrast between grace and merit. That's right. Contrast between faith and works. That's right. Contrast between law and gospel. Right. And, and those things matter. They really do because as you walk the road of sola fide, uh, Satan tries very hard. Which for the people out there that don't know, Latin means faith alone. Faith alone. Yeah. As you walk the road of faith alone, Satan strategically very much pulls your eyes of off of Christ of course, and puts it back on you. Of course. And so we'll start with the first one, which is the forgiveness of sins, which I think most people understand. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins, mm-hmm. right? And I think we have to dive deep into uh, the nuances of that sure. because when you don't, uh, um, as uh, the Bible says, the great accuser comes in and finds ways to put your sin back on your slate right? Mm-hmm. Put your sin back on you. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with the first one, Justin, and then I'll hand it over to you. Um, we love the concept of a clean slate. Like here's all of the list of, of the sins and ways in which you have failed and continue to fail and praise God. He came and he wiped them away. Mm-hmm. It's like, I will no longer accuse those for of you, all of your past and present sins. They are gone. You know, praise God. You've now been set free from them. You no longer have to be addicted to alcohol or to drugs or pornography or whatever it is. You know, that is the goodness of the gospel. He sets you free from your debt. But what's the negative part? Well, it's that you now need to change. And don't mess up. Be different. Don't mess up. That's right. Don't be like you used to. And if you don't change, if if you are in ending up kind of being like you used to be. Right. Then you should be concerned. (laughs) That's right. In, you know, the way... We were thinking through the clarity of this, which I love gospel conversations. And as I was thinking about it, it's like, all right, here's the slate by which um, the great accuser and God, you know, the accuser uses it, but God is the one who keeps track of all of our sins. And what I love the picture, he says, where your sins have been tracked, they are tossed into the deepest parts of the sea not to be found. They're separated as far as the east is from the west. So it's not that he gives you a clean slate is that the slate no longer exists. Exactly. It's removed permanently. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this. Let's talk about us for a second. Yeah. So this is not the gospel directly, but I think this will shed more light on forgiveness mm-hmm. and how much forgiveness is needed. We're worse than we think we are. Let's say that. That's right. We obviously flatter ourselves as human beings. We tend to think we're better than we are, but the reality of the situation, biblically speaking, is that we have never kept a command that the Lord has given us, really kept it. So Jesus in his earthly ministry does this all the time. The best sermon on the law ever preached, Sermon on the Mount, he makes it very clear that no one has ever really kept the law. Mm. Because keeping the law means not just some kind of external conformity, it means at the level of the heart, at a spiritual level, you've got to keep it. That's right. No one's ever done it. That's important. So we've broken all of God's commands. We've never really kept a single one of them. We got to start with that. And really, have I broken all of them? Yes. It's what the scripture says. If you, 
the, the one who says do not murder also says do not commit adultery. If you've broken one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the right. entire thing. This is how it right. works. We'll just start with the greatest commandment. You don't even need to move past that. I agree. Martin Luther Love used God. to say that. We're not all sixth commandment breakers. We haven't all killed someone. That's right. But we've all failed to keep the first one. That's right. Love God above all things. Every we have moment not of done every it. day. We have not done that. So we're worse than we think we are. We have broken all of God's commands. We've never really kept a single one of them. And all of us, even once we are converted, even once we become Christians, we are still inclined toward all evil. That's right. So when you begin to talk about forgiveness of sins, you better have a gospel and a forgiveness that will overcome all of that. Reality, That's right. Right? And so let's say this too. A lot of times the way that the gospel and the forgiveness of sins is presented is you need to change. You need to forsake your sin. You need to do something and then come to Christ. And you need to change and forsake in order to come to it. Put the bottle down, put the needle down, quit messing around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever you're doing and come to Christ. And they justify that by saying, repent. Right. The Bible literally says this, Justin. I mean, how do you counteract that, Justin? The Bible says repent. So you're teaching a non-repentance gospel? Not true at all. <laughs> Repentance, biblically speaking, at the most fundamental level is a change of mind mm -hmm. and it is an agreement with God about our sin and it is a siding with him against it. Right. But it does not, repentance does not mean that I literally change myself in order to be fit to come to Christ. That's right. What I am seeing is that what God says about me in his law is true. That's right. That what he requires, I have not done. And that I am in need of forgiveness because I'm a miserable offender, right? And so when I agree with him about that, I am casting myself upon another who has taken my sin upon himself and has endured the entire curse of the law that my sin deserves. Mm. And so in agreeing with God and siding with him like that, that is repentance. That's right. Right? So we're not saying that repentance is insignificant. That's right. That's right. So but, what you're saying is that repentance really is, I am agreeing with God at the level of my offense. Whereas sure. often as humans, we don't. I'm not that bad. No, that's that's wrong. You have to change your mind about that. Right. Number two, how to deal with one's sins is not done by transaction. Yeah. I do my part, he gives me forgiveness. Right. And number three would be, because we always do three-point sermons, right? Sure. <laughs> number three would be what what happens to sin once Christ has finally dealt with it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Th these are all important. And go ahead. No, I I think that. It's important that we understand that in order to receive the forgiveness that is offered to us freely in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing that we need to do in order to receive it. That's right. Faith is an open hand. That's right. Right. That receives from Christ these benefits. That's right. And you can't separate Christ from his benefits. That's right. Well, even right? so I, I gave three points of repentance, yeah. but Justin, according to scripture, I can't even do those three points of repentance. Of course not. Because I am dead in my trespasses and sin. I'm blind. I'm not spiritually alive. Right. And this, these are important because uh, I would say that repentance, which we would say is an amazing fruit of the gospel, is not the gospel. It's not. No. Right. And the reason I have to mention this is that often people say, unless you repent of your sins, you cannot have forgiveness of your sins. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? Oh, man. So I'm, I'm not going to try not to trample on point two, but I don't know how to talk about this apart from we saying what I'm going to say. Yeah. So I've already said I'm agreeing with God in terms of what he has said about my sinfulness. Yeah. So I am a sinner. I understand that God is holy. I understand that this, the standard of his law is something that is perfect and good and holy and just, and I have not met it. 
So there's that. I acknowledge that I am in need of a righteousness that I do not have. Mm -hmm. And so then I agree with the Lord about his plan of redemption and how I can have forgiveness, how I can have righteousness, given that I am a corrupt human being who has broken all the commands of the law and has never kept one. That's right. And so what is that way? That's right. He says, do not, you can't work for it, right? You cannot earn it. You will not merit this. You will receive it from me, That's right. right? And I think that even when we talk about repentance in this way, we could, we could get into these things. The Lord God Almighty, by his sovereign grace, causes us to be alive and unites us to the Lord Jesus. Galatians 1, where Paul says that the Lord was pleased to reveal his son to me. That's right. Well, when you see him, when he's revealed to you, you don't know everything. That's right. But you know I need him. That's right. I need, and he is the only one who can atone for my sins. He is the only one who can achieve righteousness as a human being that can then be counted to me. That's right. And I am running and I'm casting myself on him in faith. And in that regard, brother, I think that when we try to pull faith and repentance apart, sometimes we do a disservice to the faith. That's right. Because faith incorporates repentance in that sense, right? That's right. Because I am agreeing with God. I'm siding with God. I am trusting Christ who is God's plan of salvation. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So to say though, and this leads us into the second point, to say that that is the gospel, the forgiveness of sins would be a half gospel or a one quarters gospel. Can I say something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think in most churches, and I am not trying to be arrogant or condescending. I am not trying to impugn no, we're, my we're, brothers We're bringing relief to the person who feels like they're for crazy. The person, like, man, for the person I, am that, I crazier right, that I'm only hearing this? Who has only heard that the gospel is yeah. Jesus died for your sins. Yeah. With all due respect, you are cutting the work of Christ in half at best. That's right. At best, because he did far more than just die and endure the curse of the law so that we might be forgiven. That's right. As magnificent as that is, yeah. he did more than that. He lived for us. That's right. Can so I, this can is, I, can yes, I please. jump in here? Yeah. That's like a guy who breaks the law, jumps into the water and is drowning. And you say, you know what? I forgive you for what you have done. In order for you to be safe, you must get back into the boat now. Yeah. And yeah. they can't because why? They're right. drowning. Or, yeah, and the, exactly. Or the the whole the 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 person's drowning, and you just throw them the life raft. That's right. Right, like they literally are going under, and you're going to say, "Well, you know, you need to grab hold of it." When in reality, the presentation in the scriptures is that we are drowning. I mean, we're actually dead. I, I was saying, and God, like we're at, at the bottom, bottom of the ocean. We're at the bottom of the body of water, and the Lord reaches down <laughs> right. with His arm that, by the way, is not short to save. No, and He rips us up from the depths of That's death. Absolutely right, and gives us life and unites us to His Son. That's gospel. That's right. And so it's bad right? news that someone says, "I forgive you for drowning and dying because of your disobedience." Now, if you get back in the boat, you will be saved. We're saying the good news is Christ proved. Put, grabbed you and put you in the boat. He did the work you could not do. Amen. You could not swim yeah. from the bottom to the top. Nope. You could not crawl in. And he proved it perfectly on you. This is what we call technically imputed or imparted, given over to you on the behalf yeah. of the works, the Credited obedience of righteousness. righteousness. That's yeah. right. So he did more than just die for our sins. That's absolutely He right. lived for us. What That's do right. we mean? Well, not only is it the fact that we have broken the law and we've never kept a commandment, Right, God requires actual, perfect, perpetual obedience if we're going to dwell with Him. That's right, and we have not done that. Obviously, lifelong, correct, lifelong obedience, perpetual, personal, yeah, perfect obedience. Right, 
And we have not rendered it. We need it. Christ did achieve it. That's right. And he says this many times in his earthly ministry. When he's baptized by John, he says it's appropriate. I know that, you know, John's wigging out, John the Baptist, because, <laughs> bro, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus says, no, it's appropriate that we do this. Why? Right. So that all righteousness might be fulfilled. Amen. I came not to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, yeah. he says, right? And then the apostles pick up on this hugely, that the righteousness of Christ is counted to us. That's right. So in Adam, let's talk about that. Adam represented us all. When Adam sinned, his sin and the, his guilt is counted to us. And the same is true in the gospel, that though we are guilty and vile and helpless, sinful, the righteousness of Christ is counted to us by faith. Mm -hmm. So that just as Adam represented us all in the garden and he fell, Christ is the representative of everyone who trusts in him. And so everything that's his is ours, and that includes and begins with his righteousness. That's right. So God, if I may, yeah. at the end of it all, God will declare us just because Christ is just. That's right. He will declare us righteous because Christ is righteous. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why Paul says the gospel is so offensive mm -hmm. because within the human nature, within the fallen human nature, uh, and it's, it's not only within us, but Satan breeds it in mm -hmm. us that there is a sense of self that must be involved. Yeah. Like you can't just say, God forgave you of your sins and there, there's nothing else required for you to do. But that's exactly what faith alone means. Uh, Paul says it this way, the way that you began, which is by mm -hmm. faith in Christ's mm -hmm. forgiveness, is the way that you continue. And the way you'll finish. That's right. Because now you're putting faith in God's forgiveness of your sins and the required obedience for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I love how uh, the, this is a, a, a wonderful image when he says you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The story of the good, uh, not the good Samaritan, but the prodigal son. Yeah. The son comes home, immediately receives the forgiveness of the of, um his father, mm -hmm. I've forgiven you. And then what does he put on his son? The works of his own he hand. Robe on it. He put his robe and his ring and a meal. He's like, all of the benefits of my own hand, I now am going to give to you. What did the older brother get upset about? How do you give him oh, yeah. what he did not earn? Yeah. That's the offense of the God. That's why yeah. Jesus gave that. And he was saying, you're the older brother. Yeah. You think you deserve this and you don't. You didn't earn it. The father has given it to you. Amen. Yeah, so and when it comes to the imputed righteousness of Christ, what we need to understand is that at the moment we are united to Christ by faith, at the moment we trust him, all of the righteousness that God will ever require is given to us. What could ever be asked of us beyond the righteousness that Christ achieved? And it is as though, we I may say all this at the end to kind of put a bow on this conversation, like at the end of our episode today, right. but it is as though we were as perfectly obedient as Christ was. We don't think in these terms because we get very concerned as Christians because we look at our lives and we see that we don't meet the test. That's right. We read the scriptures and we're like, man, I, I ain't done this for five minutes of my life, right? And how <laughs> Even in the after world, I'm a Christian. Right, how in the world am I going to stand before the Lord with any kind of confidence That's and right. not absolutely terrified? That's right. We are haunted by these thoughts. Whenever we look at ourselves, we have no reason to think that we could ever be saved. And we need to be reminded constantly that all of the righteousness that we'll ever need has been given to us and that God will be satisfied to pronounce us just because we are seen in his son. Yeah. And so what this means for us 
is that when we pursue obedience, we are not chasing after something that we don't already have, right? We are actually pursuing obedience from a place of being given everything that we ever need. Mm. And that's a, that's a paradigm shift. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. How many times in the New Testament do they explain this idea, like a, all of the righteousness of Christ that's required is given to you, therefore? Exactly. And the therefore it's, is the response out of what yeah, you've received, because not to receive. Right. Because an objection that's immediately going to be raised is like, well, guys, we, we do need to live transformed lives. Amen. It is good to do good works. We should pursue obedience. We agree with all of that. That's right. The question is, how do you do it? That's right. And we don't. It's not this whole thing. You're forgiven of your sins. You've been given the righteousness of Christ. Now don't mess it up. That's it's, not yeah. how it's done. Yeah, it's right? like, it's yeah. like the gospel is absent of adoption. Sure. If you think about yeah. it, it's like, look, I know right. you messed up as a child and I forgive you. But it's like, no, the, the, the offense is he says, now you're my child, right. which means you receive the benefits of my home because of birth, of a new birth, a rebirth. And that's really hard for us because we're like, no, no, you have to earn that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not has any of your children had to earn your love? No, they bo- were born into it. We are born into, by God's rebirth, we are born into yeah. the favor and righteousness. It's a part of the gift. No, amen. I, and my kids are still relatively young, but I tell them all the time. I mean, several things. I'll tell them I love them, that I'm very happy to be their dad. And then I tell them often that there is nothing that they will ever do that would ever mean that they no longer have my last name. And you're an right? imperfect, and, 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 and I am and a Jesus sinful. Says this. You're an imperfect father. How yes, much do you think your father can do this? I am a sinful <laughs> man who is far. I mean, we here's a problem we have. We often tend to think that God is far less merciful than we are. Say it again. We often <laughs> tend to think that God is far less merciful than we are. That's right. Because we we twist His holiness and His righteousness to mean that He lacks mercy and grace and compassion, yeah. and that somehow, though we would never disown our own children, He's going to disown us. Not true. It's right? so crazy. And yeah, I agree. What, what a lie of Satan, how well he has done. Of course. <laughs> so I, I want to, to reiterate this though, because why do we obey? How do we pursue obedience? Because we should. It, we've said this many times, but it bears repeating. If this is the first time you've ever listened to Theocast, we pursue obedience in light of what Christ has already done for us. And the pursuit of righteousness in my living is a because of. Yeah. My union with Christ, it's a because of what Christ has done. It's because I've been given a new name. It's mm. because I've been given a new status. And so I now live this way. It is never so that. I never pursue obedience so that I might be a son of God. I never pursue obedience so that I might be forgiven. I don't pursue obedience so that I might be counted righteous. That's right. I do it from that. That's right. Streams only flow one direction. They only flow downhill. A pursuit of obedience only flows from salvation received. That's right. Right. I mean, even when Jesus says, um, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. And he tells you, do not worry about what you wear, what you eat, what you drink. Right. This entire relationship with your father, he's like, all of that's been taken care of, right. which means you now have the freedom 
to not go and perform to gain. Right. You have the freedom to go and give away that which you have received. It, it, he, he turns everything upside down. You know, when I was in Romania, um, they, they have a lot of orphans there. Mm. And a lot of them survive by having, uh, they, they get into crime syndicates and they go sure. out and they steal and they bring sure. it back. And so they earn basically the favor of the boss and they right. earn the favor of like this album, I'm going to earn my food. And for that child to then be adopted and to receive, it, it would be hard for them. Like, what, what do you mean? I don't have to earn my stay at this mm -hmm. house. Like, no, it's been gifted to you. Mm -hmm. Not only that, here is money. Here is clothes. Here's, you will never want again. And that's a, and so mm -hmm. dear child, if you're hearing this friend, brother, sister, we feel that weird mm -hmm. pull within us. It's like, no, no, I, I really think God requires me to do my part to remain in his family. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know else to say it, but that is a lie of Satan. So many passages in scripture would tell you the exact opposite of the truth mm -hmm. that you cannot one earn your right standing before God. Number two, you cannot, I'm sorry, your forgiveness and you can't earn the right standing. Right. We literally, like I'll, I'll say this last thing, I'll yeah, send it over to you. When it stands, when, it, when, when Paul says in Ephesians, stand in the strength of the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what he means. Amen. The, the work and the power of Christ is not, we stand there. We don't stand in our own capacities to obey our own righteousness. Mm -hmm. We don't stand in our strength. We stand in the strength of the Lord. Amen. First, I have two comments. One, we all, whether we would admit it or not, once we've trusted Christ and say, okay, I'm forgiven. And, and maybe I even understand that I've been given his righteousness, but we think that we need to change and continue changing in order to stay forgiven and in order to stay covered in the righteousness mm. of Christ. And that we might not change enough, we might not do well enough, and then what will end up happening at the end of it all is we will forfeit that forgiveness and we will mm. forfeit that righteousness that apparently was given to us through our union with Christ. Faithfulness. Right. Yeah. That, that is the work of the enemy. If we despair, let me just say it this way, if we maybe if despair or lament Limits a better word, or if we're grieved, grieved by yeah. a lack of obedience, a lack of fruit, a lack of faithfulness, what do we do? Mm. I think that what we tend to do and what the enemy would have us do is to look at ourselves somehow. My question is um, where do forgiveness and righteousness, where does faithfulness, where does repentance, where does a desire to obey, where does that come from? Mm. It doesn't come from you. That's right. It comes from the Lord alone. Mm. So if you are grieved at a lack of repentance or grieved at a lack of obedience, you know you should do better. What's the remedy? Dear Saint, it is not to take your eyes off Christ and look at you. That's right. It is not to take your gaze off of Christ and fix it on yourself. I promise you that much. Yeah. That to look to him always is the answer when we lack things because he is the only source of our sanctification and our transformation of life. That's one thought. Yeah. Two. Can I add a verse there? Please. First Peter 1, 9. He, he yeah. gives them the hope of the gospel in verses three through five, gives them how they then obey out of that. And then if they're not obeying out of that, he goes, you have forgotten you've been cleansed. Yeah. He doesn't go back sins. to the their performance. He's no. like, look, if you're not doing the fruits of the spirit, you forgot you're standing before your father. Mm -hmm. That And that that's important to remember. It's like, there is a rebuke, but the rebuke is, where'd your faith go? Yeah. You lost your faith in the thing right. that actually sustained you. Yeah. 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 Second thought. For all of us, and I think there are many of us, that we've trusted Christ. We've meant to, we, we've meant to trust him anyway. We mean to be Christians. We mean to live lives that would be honoring to God. And we're concerned that at the end of it all, when we stand before the Lord, our record 
is not going to be good enough. And that when our record is somehow exposed, that we're going to be undone. Well, what if I were to tell you or to ask you, let me ask it this way. Was Jesus in the way that he lived his life, was he obedient enough? (laughs) Yes, thankfully. And what if I were to tell you that when you stand before Christ, who is the judge, by the way, that's right. When you stand before him, that the very record of Jesus is the one that will be judged when you stand there. That's right. Point one, let's compare your life. If I were to tell you that, that you would have the exact record of Christ, that that's going to be yours. Like when I show up and it says Justin Perdue, and here's my report card and my report card and my works and all those things, they're going to be the record of Christ. And I'm going to hold that out. Is this good enough? We would say, yeah. And I would say to the everyone, I'm including ourselves, well, that's exactly what you've been given. That's right. So what are we worried about? That's right. Right. And I'm saying this to myself because I worry way too much. That's right. About all these things. I mean, if you turn this into an economic status of like required money, you know, put whatever number you want on there, but a hundred trillion thousand, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. That's not a real number, but make a number that no one could ever achieve. And you could say, listen, God requires this. So you can either show up with Christ's account, which has that, or mm. your account, which is actually minus the exact same amount. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew 7, you know, 21 to 23, we've talked about these verses in the past, but I think these verses have haunted many a believer That's right. through history. That's right. When many who say to me, Lord, Lord, look at all these things that we, you know, did we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not heal people in your name? Do we not do all these things in your name? And I'm going to look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And we have been told, many of us, like, you don't want to be that person, do you? No. And we're like, no. I mean, that's my greatest fear is that I'm going to be one of those people and observation to offer. What is the confidence and what is the boast? What is the testimony of these individuals? Did we not do this? (laughs) Did we not do that? I think that those individuals are a great illustration of people who are trusting in a transformed life. That's right. They're, they're people who are trusting in works done. It doesn't matter if they're done in Jesus' name. That's right. If we are not trusting Christ alone, we have no hope. That's we right. have no reason to be confident. And if we are trusting Christ alone, we have no reason to fear. It's like Martin Luther said, when I look to myself, I have no reason to think that I could ever be saved. When I look to Christ, I don't know how I could ever be lost. That's right. right? That's the good news. That's right. That Christ yeah. is sufficient in those words. Yeah, I mean, you're quoting Ephesians there, Ephesians, you know, 3, 8, and 9, or 2, 8, 2, 8, 9? My, my brain's... 2, 8, 9. 2, it's 8, late. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, late. Late. Yeah. <laughs> it's a late pod tonight. Um, when we think about it, often we think, oh yeah, forgiveness of sins so that no one may boast. But that's not what he means. Like, he means the entirety oh, of the hope of your future. The, your entire salvation. That's right. So when you, when you stand before the Father on the last day, and he's saying, well, why are you here? If you offer one sliver of your own righteousness, you literally have a reason to boast. But if you hand over yeah. as your illustration, the right. book of Christ's works yeah. and go, well, here um, they are. F- this is why I belong here. Yeah. He's like, you have no reasons to boast. Yeah. Cause you're like, yeah, I boast in Jesus. Yeah. This is what Paul says. Let anyone boast, let him boast in yeah. the Lord. We will be saved finally. And we will be declared just on the last day because of perfect righteousness earned. That's right. And Christ will have carried us the entire way. That's right. He will have achieved it all. That's right. And dear, right? and dear, and this pod is not about obedience, but, and I will add this in here as we transition to this next sure. section. Um, Sometimes we're accused of antinomianism. And when it comes to the gospel, there is no law. We are antinomian in that way. There is no law in the gospel. But we aren't saying, well, then live however you want. Because that would then, to tread underfoot, 
right? To stomp on, to ignore the beauty of what Christ is yeah. for us, right? So um, go ahead. So, well, he has become for us righteousness, like wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's right. He's all of that. Right. And so because we've been delivered from sin, we don't want to return to sin. Right. And I think every New Testament writer alludes to this concept to don't return back to the filth you were saved from. Sure. And what good was it doing for you anyway? That's right. Why would you go back to the thing that was your death sentence? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? That's right. And I, the, on the final thought on Matthew 7, because that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus concludes that sermon by encouraging people to build their house on the rock. Yeah. Beloved one, I promise you, the rock, the solid rock on which you would build your house is not your obedience. That's right. It is Christ's. That's right. Taking that whole sermon into account and how Jesus preaches the law, it makes it plain that no one's ever fulfilled it, mm-hmm. you know? That's right. And the narrow way is that, I mean, there's only one man who's who's walked adequately. That's right. You know, to actually merit salvation, and that's Christ. That's right. And so, build your house on the solid rock, who is Amen. Christ for you. Amen. And be, when you are covered in His blood and His righteousness, there is no reason to fear. That's right. And we need that word heralded over us as much as it can be, John. And I love how the old hymn says it. It's not only you're covered in His blood, oh. you're stained. Yeah. Which means it's there forever. Yeah. Cannot be removed. Yeah. Yeah. Normally at this point, at 30 minutes in, we go to Semper Reformanda. But today we wanted to go ahead and just continue this conversation here. Right. And so, Justin, I want to go into point three. And I'll set you up here as we talk about it and think about it. Um, There are many who would agree with what we're saying. Many in the Reformed camp obviously would say amen to the forgiveness of sins and Christ's righteousness on our behalf by faith alone. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to the future of our home, mm-hmm. uh, when it that often becomes confusing because it's like, well, if you want rewards in heaven or if you want positions in heaven, um, and I would say point two and three can bleed in together, which we're talking about our eternal inheritance, the, the future hope that we may have. Yeah. The part of the good news of the gospel is that he who began a good work will complete it from yeah. Uh, the forgiveness of sins to the righteousness required and the glorified state mm-hmm. which we live in. Yeah. And I think it's important that the the powerful good news of the, of the hope of us as we fail and f- in this frail body, messing up in our obedience, mm-hmm. looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we know that what is secured for us, First Peter, what is secured for us, imperishable, unfailing, unfading, yeah. is our new home, which is a new heavens and a new earth in a new body that cannot fail. And so the the reason why we have to put this into the gospel category, because it is given to us, it's it's granted to us by faith. Christ has achieved it. That's right. Christ has earned it. So before the world began, God, the father and God, the son agreed that a people would be saved and they would be saved by the work that God, the son would accomplish. And so our bodily resurrection to live with God, the son and Jesus, right? Who took on flesh. Our bodily resurrection to live with Christ in a redeemed heaven and a redeemed earth is, is the goal of the work of God the Son. It is the goal of the gospel. I mean, Amen. it is a part of what the Son has secured for us. And to be, I'll say it this way, to be united to Christ by faith, to be presently justified, means that we will be sanctified, and it means we will be glorified. Amen. Period. That's right. To be presently justified is to be finally saved. When we consider the witness of the scripture, you said it, he who began a good work is going to complete it. He's going to bring us all the way home. That's right. right? When you look at, for example, words in Romans 5, we therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is a forward-looking reality. Mm -hmm. It becomes very obvious. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is an eternal thing. And later on, he says, after saying, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for us, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's where he goes. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, there's that present justification. That's right. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. That's final, final judgment time. That's right. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, right? Amen. That is the testimony. Think in Romans 8, the golden chain, the unbreakable chain it's that we love. To go there, yeah. Those who are justified, he glorified. He it's as good as done, he man. He will glorify. Yeah. He does every, all three parts. Right. So when we start to pull apart present justification and final salvation, we are swimming against the current of the biblical witness, and we are gutting the gospel, man. That's right. We ought not talk like that. Yeah. Yeah, the rewards that await for us in heaven, that's where the the confusion often can be, where, well, okay, well, yeah, you better be doing your part because at the final judgment, God's going to come and look at your works, and you're basically your eternity in heaven is going to be dependent upon your performance here. Yeah. And the, the hard part about that is that when Peter and Paul, I think, both like First Peter, you're talking about Romans eight and Romans five. When, when they when they um, bring to you the gospel, they clump together your forgiveness, your righteousness, and your inheritance, mm-hmm. as if not 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 any, not none of those have anything to do with your works for boasting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we get to heaven, it's like Christ and to be with Christ and the benefits of Christ are all a part of the inheritance mm-hmm. that we don't work for. Yeah, we don't work. Well, for those. I mean, we subscribe to a confession of faith, an historical confession the second London confession. And in chapter 16 on good works, it's very clear that even the rewards that we will receive for good works that are done by faith in Christ that were prepared beforehand for us to walk in, that reward is not based on merit. It's grace. That's right. The fact that God will look at us and say, well done is astonishing grace. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's going back to Romans thinking about chapter 12. The reason why we did this podcast um, is because the human heart, and the deceitfulness of the kingdom of darkness and Satan, they want us to take our eyes and put it back on ourselves. Yes. And this is why the Romans, Romans 12 says, renew your mind. Yeah, You have to renew your mind in the gospel, yeah. right? Paul's like, I want to come and preach to you nothing but Jesus. The reason is, is that if you put your hope in Jesus, you have the joy of the Lord that cannot be altered. Like mm-hmm. no one can take the joy of the Lord away from you. Yeah. But if you put your eyes on your performance, Justin, we have no reasons for hope and joy. This is why many Christians struggle yeah. to find in a suffering world full of pain, darkness, and depravity. We have a hard time finding hope yeah. because we're, our eyes are earthbound. Yeah. Put your eyes on Christ and for your justification. Put your eyes on Christ for your sanctification. Put your eyes on Christ for your bodily resurrection and your glorification. That is what the Lord would have us do. Right. Not look to yourself for any of that stuff. That's right. Why would you ever do that? That is the tactic of the evil one. That's right. For us to take our eyes off of Christ and put them on us. Yet that is what many, many well-meaning saints are encouraged to do. That's right. To know whether or not they're legitimate. I would say even fighting sin, he's Colossians 2, the end of Colossians 2. He's like, all right, here are all the ways in which you look to the flesh to fight your sin. And then in chapter three, he says, look unto what? Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. We don't maybe understand that phrase. What, What that means is that the work of the king is done. Right. That's why he sat down. 
Right. Look to where he's at. He's at a he's at a finished place, and that place is where you belong, and it's granted to you. So don't put your eyes on physical means that you think are somehow going to deal with this. Like the only way you fight the flesh against the spirit is by constantly looking to Christ yeah. over and over again. I think the message many people hear functionally is change in order to come to Christ and be forgiven. Change in order to come to Christ and be counted righteous. Change, continue changing so that you'll stay forgiven. Continue changing so that you will continue to be counted righteous. Change and continue changing so that you'll finally be forgiven. Change and continue changing so that you'll finally be counted righteous and found righteous on the last day. When in reality, what we're saying is, dear one, don't do anything. Trust Christ to be forgiven. (laughs) Trust Christ to be found and declared just. And then from that, your life will change because you've been united to the one who is the fountainhead of holiness. That's good news, right? And all who have been united to Christ, he says, he says that I won't lose any, Mm. any who come to me, I'll never cast you out. This is the will, not just, he's speaking as a human, right? He has, Jesus is the only person in the Godhead who has two wills. Because Jesus has the one divine will, but he has a human will. I'm just trying to be clear. Yeah. But he says, this is the will of my father that I lose nothing mm-hmm. of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. Amen. And this is the father's will that all who look on the son That's right. will have eternal life and I'll raise them up. That's his message. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I wouldn't tell you that I did if it wasn't true. And if I went to prepare a place, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to bring you to be with me where I am. Amen. You know, it's Look interesting. to him. Yeah. Trust him. What's interesting yeah. is when the New Testament believer embraces this, they're described in a certain way. Like for instance, they're described as ones who have a sweet aroma. Yes. The reason of that being is that they aren't self-righteously comparing mm-hmm. themselves to others. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about being around a broken person who looks to Jesus, right? Yes. Um, the way, if I were to go back to the boat illustration, What's interesting, Justin, about most gospel presentations, um, it's like they're telling themselves to come back to life or climb into the boat or stay in the boat. And so the, they're constantly in weary. They're weary. Does, am I still dead? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have the strength to get into the boat? Mm-hmm. Do I have the strength to stay in the boat? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> I don't lose anyone. So what I need you to do is to be crying out to those outside, right. crying out to them with patience and love, with hope saying, you too can be saved by Christ. And once they're in the boat, we grab each other and say, hey brother, remember how you got here. Remember how you're staying here. And until he takes us home, the waves will toss up and down, but you you have no worry. You'll make it home. Encourage one another until I return. Mm-hmm. Strengthen one another. And remember, you're the beacon of light, yeah. right? You're you're the joy that brings people back in. And so I, I get so frustrated and, mm-hmm. you know, I've already quoted this thing from Spurgeon, but Spurgeon said, you know, the work of Satan is often to get the preacher to discourage the believer. Well, bro, <laughs> and, and there are many, Spurgeon saying this in his own day, we're saying it in our day, that's, that many yeah. people think that's good preaching. It's not. Is to actually preach in such a way that people are worried and anxious and concerned about their, I mean, not unbelieving people, yeah. right? That's preaching the law, that's right. right? To crush us in our mm. sin. But he's talking about, there are many preachers who think they're doing their job well when they preach in such a way that the saints who trust Christ are afraid that's right. and are unsettled and are unsure as to whether or not they're going to finally make it. That's right. That is not, I've said this before, that kind of objective is the objective of Satan, not God. 
That's right. Right? You know, Justin, the freedom from the power of sin unto salvation is the gospel. Why would we assume that once we're saved, that would change? Yeah. The freedom from sin from the gospel yeah. when you're saved is still the gospel. Yeah. Which is why Paul, That's right. writing to a really wicked church, yeah. Corinthians, says, I really need to come and preach the gospel yeah. to you. He didn't say, he didn't call them unbelievers. He called them my brothers at yeah. the beginning of the letter. My brothers, I need to come yeah. tell you something. Yeah. I'll, I want to do this just because to me, this is one of the best encapsulations in a succinct way of everything we've been talking about. So there's an old document, an old catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism. That's very useful. It's very good. Written in the 16th century. Question 60 asks, how are you righteous before God? And the answer is only by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. It goes on to say, even though I have broken all of God's commands, and I've never kept a single one of them and am still inclined toward all evil. Mm. Let those words sink in, right? That's our condition. It's the saint's condition. Even though that's all true, by because of God's mercy, out of sheer grace, apart from anything that I've ever done or could do, God counts to me the perfect holiness and righteousness and satisfaction of Christ. Satisfaction meaning what he did to make satisfaction for sins. And it is as though I have never sinned or been a sinner. And it is as though I have been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is receive this with a believing Amen. heart. That is a good answer Amen. to that question. Amen. And if that's not how we're thinking about this, we're not thinking after the gospel. We're thinking after something else. Amen. Yeah. So the now what question often comes, okay, guys, but now what? And my answer to this is... Um, Go be a part of a body yeah. who will continue to encourage you in this, this truth, right? Yeah. Remember you're a part of a kingdom yeah. and the work of this kingdom is that this message spread around the world, yeah. not moral transformation, right. not the law only. We preach right. the law, right. but it's this message. Why God still has us here. And I'll, I'll this is the last thing I'll, I'll say and I'll, no, I'll give good. it to you. Paul says, I endure all things mm. so the sake of the For elect, the sake of the elect yeah. that they might also find grace. And this is why we're here. This is why we fight sin. This is why we continue to look to Christ because others have been trapped either as a believer, they're confused, the gospel has been muddied, or they haven't heard it. And so dear saint, we need this to remain clear and bright so that the work of Christ continues. Yeah. Amen. And it will, whether we do it it or not, it will. It will. This has been good. So for everybody listening, We've included the Semper Reformanda episode as a part of the regular one today. We hope that's been good for you. We hope it's been helpful and encouraging. There's nothing that we like to talk about more than the gospel. And we will happily be called one-trick ponies all day long (laughs) if that one trick that we have is to herald the sufficiency and the excellencies of Christ for the salvation of sinners. Amen. So we appreciate you listening. And for all of those out there, including our, our members, our Semper Reformanda members who support us so generously and kindly. We're grateful for you. None of the things that we're doing, even John, you being here in Asheville, the things that we've been able to enjoy together, the content we're able to produce, all of this is only possible because of the generous support that we have. Yes, and thank you. you support us because, not because John and I are great, hmm. but because we are heralding an excellent Savior. Amen. Right? Amen. And may we continue to do that. May the Lord give us grace to trust Christ and to know rest and peace in our souls on account of Him. So until next time, if this encouraged you, please share it with someone else who could be encouraged. Great. That's all we ask. Amen. Peace.